Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. is a very special day. Uh, as you know, in June, we do a series called Voices, and I invite different folks in that we feel like has a voice, a, a word for our body. And as I prayed about this year and who to invite in, uh, we didn't know this was going to happen, that that uh, the person that I invited to be in with us today would ever be in this situation or this setting, but I'm thankful he is, because I knew, I'd heard him speak before, and I knew he was a powerful speaker, uh, but we met uh, Tim and Lisa Hall's um, I guess I'm trying to do math in my head. Y'all know I get in trouble when I do that. I guess about 13 years ago. Uh, is that right? About 13 years ago uh, when our oldest son, Tal, went to Bethany uh, Elementary School, and lo and behold, his principal was Mr. Hawes. And uh, so, you know, you have we didn't have any bad encounters with Mr. Hawes. Thank you, Jesus. Y'all know. Y'all know. Uh, and uh, uh, so then uh, our relationship developed, but mainly developed because uh, several years after that, uh, Tao was invited to play baseball on Mr. Hawes' team. Many of the players are here this morning. Good to see you guys. And we got some to experience a relationship with them. And what I discovered was that they have had a, a dynamic impact on our lives. They really have. I, I thought it was just about baseball and the fact that they were building character into my oldest son and later my younger son at school. But uh, over the course of um, the last, well, since October, uh, they have continued to have an impact and have changed my own prayer life. Uh, my youngest son is still young enough that he can't drive to school yet. He just got his permit, but uh, y'all pray. Uh, but um, So I, I take him to school every morning, and he will attest to this. We pray different than we used to. Every day, the last statement in my prayer is we're driving. We always do it at about, I don't know what that, I guess it's about 40 seconds. No, that's too far. Uh, 46th Street, we, I say a prayer with him right as I turn off of 50th, and I, and I pray over his day. And the last phrase is this, Lord Jesus, let neurons fire and healing take place. And I know that their story has impacted this body because I hear y'all pray. And so Mr. Tim Hawes is going to come and share the word this morning. I want you to give a huge welcome to their entire family. Would you welcome Tim Hawes as he brings the word today? You got all the time in the world, and when you finish, you can turn it back. Well, thank you. I am um, humbled to be here this morning. I uh, uh, 13 years goes by pretty quick, like yesterday, and uh, I'd like to think that I was asked to speak this morning because I'm some type of grand order, and you're going to find out pretty quick that that's not the case, but uh, of course the reason I've, I've been asked to speak this morning is because of the injury to my son Hudson. Hudson's one of three of my sons. I, uh, my oldest son's Jackson, and my middle son Grayson, and then Hudson's the baby of the family, and uh, the person in charge, Lisa, their mom, sitting right over here, and uh, but um, our life took a turn on October 23rd, 2015. Um, it was a uh, uh, football game, a regular season game, in which we were playing Blanchard 
uh, and um, it was a tackle like the thousands of tackles that Hudson's made in his lifetime, and um, but this particular case uh, suffered a spinal cord injury and uh, was metaflighted uh, that evening to OU uh, Trauma Center, and uh, Devin, you can go ahead and Spent 16 days in ICU that evening. Uh, Hudson uh, underwent surgery and uh, to uh, relieve the pressure that was on his spinal cord from two fractured vertebrae in his neck. And uh, from those 16 days, uh, we uh, uh, those were some pretty rough rough days. Uh, the uh, we uh, soon left. OU and we're headed to Denver, Colorado. Uh, back up one there, Devin. Um, I took that picture. There was a bunch of uh, fighter jets that were lined up in front of us as we were about to take off to go to Denver. They weren't there to escort us, but I thought it was pretty cool. <laughs> and so uh, um, we uh, loaded Hudson up in an air ambulance and uh, there's a picture of our nurses and I'm back there uh, in a cocoon, I'm, I am just tightly packed in a little seat back there in the back, and uh, we uh, took that plane ride. And um, in the next slide, you'll see that uh, that uh, plane ride was quite expensive, as uh, quite the view right there as we were heading uh, out to uh, Denver. And we arrived uh, in uh, Craig Hospital, which is a specialty hospital for spinal cord and um, traumatic brain injury. Um, and uh, maybe one of these days I can tell you the rest of the story uh, surrounding a lot of this stuff. But uh, at Craig Hospital, uh, we showed up the first day, and uh, Devin, you can go ahead and hit it. And that's their theme right there. They have a bridge connecting two wings, and on that it says that they, uh, about redefining possible. And uh, we, uh, we show up, and... Uh, Go ahead, Devin. And that's our view from Hudson's room, uh, and that was quite a view. Uh, go ahead. We uh, that was the verse that we put up on the the window, looking out. And then it snowed, and it was on the ground the whole time we were there. It was unbelievable. Um, I, my wife loves snow. I got tired of it in about two days, but uh, uh, we we survived that. Uh, that was our first day there, and then after that first day, uh, Hudson got put to work, and uh, they had him uh, going uh, eight hours a day, five days a week, uh, getting after it in the weight room, in the pool on stem um, bikes and things like that. Uh, they had him in all sorts of contraptions and uh, we, uh, we spent, uh, we were there from November 19th to January uh, 19th, I believe, or 21st, somewhere in there. There's Hudson after a workout. That's about all you got to see um, once he got through uh, that's after a rough workout, 
uh, and we got to get up and do it all over again every day. Go ahead, Kevin. I'm sure Hudson wants to get off that picture. <laughs> uh, throughout the course of the uh, uh, stay there in Denver, uh, Hudson had his friends showing up. And uh, go ahead, I think, Paige. Then we got to, looks like January 21st is when we flew home uh, back to Oklahoma. And once we got here, we uh, got back to work at Jim Thorpe and have been uh, working at Jim Thorpe uh, every week uh, and uh, to this day. We, uh, I remember the night of the 23rd when we pulled into uh, the trauma center, the first person to greet us was your pastor, Steve. He was dressed head to toe in camo, which I'm sure you're kind of used to probably, uh, because uh, Steve shares a common love of mine, and that is bow hunting, and when he got word of Hudson's injury, just like a pastor does. Crawled out of the tree stand. I told it to the hospital because he knew we were going to need some help. I thank you for that. I don't know where I uh, got my love of hunting. I, I, a lot of it's because of my dad. My dad uh, drug me and my brother out hunting from a very early age. And uh, for those of you that or Bambi lovers, I want to remind you I'm a deer hunter, not a deer killer. I'm, I'm really good at hunting. I'm not real good at killing. And uh, part of the reason is is that uh, deer are incredibly difficult animals to sneak up on. They have five times better eyesight than we do. They have a thousand times better hearing, um, or I'm sorry, better smell than we do. Uh, they detect movement incredibly well. And so... You have to camo up, got to get decked out, and many times what we do is we climb up in trees, which my wife says I'm a natural at it since I'm part squirrel, she says all the time, and uh, so we'll climb up in a tree, and uh, we will try to get an advantage. I remember the very first time that I got to go real hunting when my dad allowed me to carry a gun for the first time, and I think I was about 13 12 or 13 years old, and uh, we were down in southeast Oklahoma near McAllister, and if you've ever been in that neck of the woods, uh, thick trees, lots of ridges, and uh, we, uh, we went out for an evening hunt, and uh, I was excited. It was going to be a, a me by myself, and I was, it was a rite of passage, and as my dad took me out, I remember his closing words as he left. He said, stay right here. I'll be back about dark to get you. And so I sat down and, and uh, watched them disappear through the woods. And it didn't take me long to, as I was looking around, to see right over there, about 100 yards away, looked like a much better place. I mean, it was like, uh, I'm kind of not in the right place. So I thought, I'll just go right over there. It'll be just fine. And so I got up and made my way to the spot. And I sat down and, and uh, looking around and... Pretty soon, I looked over to here to my left, and 
there was another really good spot. That was just a little bit better right over there. And so I got up and I walked over and, and found my new spot and I had a seat. And uh, I, as we were going through that evening, I noticed a couple of things. One, that there were some clouds moving in and it looked like it was going to rain. And the other is that um, I wasn't seeing anything and I was getting anxious. I was uh, really thought that that night was going to be the night. And so um, as it got a little bit darker, I decided that I was going to head on over back to the original spot to get picked up. And as I got up and walked that way, it started raining a little bit. And I decided, you know what, I'm not going to stay out here and get soaking wet. Uh, I know where I'm at. I'm going to take off and I'm going to head on back to camp. Well, as I was making my way through the woods, what had appeared to be the way ended up uh, to be a little bit confusing. I crossed a creek that I didn't remember crossing. And uh, it wasn't long uh, before I realized that I might be turned around a little bit. I also noticed a couple of things too. I didn't have a flashlight. Um, I didn't have any rain gear. And that little sprinkle began to turn into a pretty steady rain. And, um, you know, experts tell us that uh, probably one of the uh, key things that gets people in trouble in the woods is when they realize that they're not lost uh, or when they realize they, they deny it. They, they don't want to admit it. It didn't take me very long to figure out I wasn't going the right way and I was lost. And uh, as I was pondering that, uh, the heavens opened up and the fountains began to flow and it went from a steady rain to a torrential downpour. I mean, it cut loose. And then the lightning started and we were in a full-fledged thunderstorm and it was getting after it. And I was soaked to the bone. Those dry creeks began to flow with lots of water. And um, I remember standing there as a kid and I thought, well, I think the only reason why I didn't lose my mind is I had a 30-30 in my hand. So I knew I was going to go down with a fight. I mean, <laughs> I wasn't going to be. I, that kind of saved me. And, and then the other thing I decided is you cannot walk in one direction in Oklahoma forever without running into something. Surely you can, if, you just, if I can just go one direction, you're going to find something sometime. So I took off walking. And I remember it didn't take very long for my boots to feel like they weighed about 100 pounds each. I had so much mud on them. I was slipping on up hills and slipping down hills. And uh, as I made my way through the woods, uh, I looked off in the distance and I saw a fire. And I was like, it is a miracle. I have somehow found camp. Cannot believe it. And as I made my way closer, I could tell that the fire was quite big. And I was thinking, man, these guys have really set a good signal fire for me because uh, this thing is ablaze. And as I got closer, it dawned on me that uh, it wasn't camp, that lightning had struck a tree, and this tree was on fire. It had blown up, literally. It was in fragments. But uh, thank goodness uh, for that fire because I was quite freezing. And so as I stood near that fire and I was warming up that evening, uh, I was trying to figure out what can I do? What, what, how can I get myself out of this? 
And then I remembered the old, I don't even think it's a Boy Scout trick, where you, uh, the old shoot your gun up in the air three times. I don't know where this rule came from, but I remembered it that night. You shoot your gun up in the air three times, and then the people that are trying to find you will shoot their gun up in the air. You'll know where they're at, and you can make your way back to safety. So I step out from that burning tree, and I let off a round up in the air, and I let off another one, I let off another one, and then I waited. And I hear the repeat shots. Unfortunately, when the first shot goes off, I was in a canyon in which it was <laughs> echoed all around me. I had no idea where it came from. And they were cutting, they were doing a great job. I mean, it was like World War III. They were getting after it. They were shooting. But I had no idea where that was coming from. And I had five shells with me that day. I just shot three, and I wasn't going to shoot my last two. And that's when I saw the movement out of the trees nearby. And I look around, and what I didn't know, there were about 100 head of cattle bedded down in some trees right by me, and they took great offense to me shooting three shots up in the air while they were trying to sleep. And I don't know if you've ever seen those old westerns where cattle stampedes are going and the cows are coming and jumping over stuff, but I got to witness that firsthand. And I took off running, and I ran, and I jumped behind a tree, and cows were flying by me. And I'm sitting there thinking, can this get any worse? <laughs> yes, it can. It can get worse. <laughs> so after the cows calmed down, I decided I needed to get higher. I needed to get to where I could see. Uh, it was still raining tremendously, so I, uh, there was a little near, nearby hill, so I got to the top of that, and I look off out in the distance. And I saw a light way off in the distance. I thought, if I could just get to that light, there's electricity there. There's got to be something. And I take off. And sure enough, that light was at a pumping station out in the middle of nowhere, but it had a road coming to it. And I followed that road out and in, got to a section line and started following that road. And uh, I finally came to the first farmhouse. And I remember walking down the driveway, and then I hear... Uh, Cujo, their dog, start barking. <laughs> and I decided I probably wouldn't be very well received if I killed their dog on their way trying to get help because uh, it sounded quite ferocious. So I decided to skip that house. I saw another one on down the section line. And I went on down to that house. And probably the smartest thing I did that night is I laid my gun down before I walked up to that house uh, because I was hunting near McAllister. And many of you know that McAllister is the home of our state penitentiary and I think those people would take great offense to me walking up to their house with a gun at night and uh, I laid that down I walked up to their house and they had a, a storm door glass storm door and I could see my reflection in that glass and I looked like the swamp thing I mean I was so I had mud and grass and stuff all over me I looked terrible and I knocked on that door and and uh, I see a lady open the uh, curtain on the window over here to the side. And she looked out there and immediately shut that curtain up. <laughs> and I yelled. I said, ma'am, 
uh, I'm lost. I need some help. Could you help me out? And pretty soon her husband opened the door. And I told him my story and told him where I was hunting. And he loaded me up in his car. And um, I was 11 miles from uh, where I had started. And uh, I remember... I remember when I got back to camp, I, he, uh, the roads were so muddy, I couldn't, I, he couldn't get me all the way. I had to, but he got me where I knew I was at, and I walked on into camp, and uh, there wasn't anybody there. And I was like, well, that's interesting. Well, they were all out looking for me, and they even got lost looking for me. That's how bad it was. Uh, and I remember the last thing I did before I went to bed that night is I drank a six-pack of Orange Crush. That's all we had. But I, I downed six, six aluminum cans of Orange Crush that day. And, uh, you know, when you're lost, uh, there's, there's a lot of reasons why people get lost. I think one of the main ones is uh, the reason for why I got lost, because we always think the grass is greener somewhere else. Sometimes we have a hard time being happy with what we got, that we're not content. Um, a lot of times when we get lost, we're not prepared for what may come our way. We don't think clearly. Uh, a lot of times we have what experts call a yard sale. Uh, as people get lost, they start dropping stuff behind them. They just, uh, when they go looking, when experts out in the wilderness go look for people, they just look for stuff because they're going to find it. Because eventually, if you're lost long enough, you just start discarding stuff, start losing things. Sometimes when we're lost, we put our hope in things that we believe will save us, but they prove only temporary. And I was reading the other day about another guy that was lost, and that was in the 19th chapter of Luke. And I wanted to read that to you this morning. says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. And a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, I can relate to that, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him. I think Zacchaeus was a bow hunter too. Because what grown man's going to go climb a tree? I can relate to that. When Jesus, no, I'm sorry, back up, climbed a sycamore tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. And when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly, and all the people saw this and began to mutter, Has he gone to be the guest of a sinner? But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. See, Zacchaeus wasn't physically lost that day. He was spiritually lost. But spiritually lost and physically lost have a lot of common traits. It's easy to get spiritually lost. 
I've been down that road too. We as human beings a lot of time like to lead. We like to get out in front. We think we know what's best. Zacchaeus was used to leading. He, uh, he was, uh, held a place of prominence as a tax collector. And because of that was wealthy and looked up to by that. But unfortunately, uh, he had gained that wealth through uh, poor choices, through stealing. And that's another thing about being uh, spiritually lost. We are born sinners, which gives us a bad inner compass. But on this day, Zacchaeus did some things that, was, that were right. He decided to go see Jesus. He had some excuses. He could have let his limitations stop him. But on this day, he didn't. Some good choices. But that's where the story of Zacchaeus and my story differ. Because you see, Zacchaeus wasn't the hunter. Jesus was. Jesus was hunting him. It says in, there, in Luke that Jesus was coming that way. And I don't think that was by accident. I think Jesus had a mission. And as he walked by that tree, even though a deer can see five times better than we can, Jesus can see better than a deer. And Jesus picked him off that day out of that tree. And then he did something that he wants to do for all of us. He asked Zacchaeus if he could come to his house, if he would invite him in. In fact, Jesus said, I must stay at your house. And I love that. I take great hope in that next line. When the people that saw this began to mutter and say, oh, he's going to go hang out in a sinner's house. Jesus hangs out with sinners. And I have some good news for you this morning. Jesus is still in the business of seeking and saving. He wants to come into each of our lives and transform us into a new creation. When Jesus found me and I accepted his invitation, I became a child of God. And there are some awesome privileges when you're a part of the family of God. Not only are you going to get to live eternally with him, and death has no power over you, But when Jesus said, I am the way, he meant it. The way, not a way. And when you get on the way, though as the last seven months have been, we have been down some pretty dark valleys. I, can, I, I have never imagined how uh, the level of pain that I have felt as I've watched my son go through this injury. And it's interesting, along the way, there are lots of uh, shortcuts that Satan wants you to take and tries to tempt you to go down those paths. And they're dark. Some of you have been down those some of you have experienced uh, the pain I'm talking about. 
but Jesus is relentless. And amidst the darkness, there is a light. And even though you enter the kingdom of God and you aren't exempt from some really bad stuff happening, our bodies are going to break down. People aren't always going to treat us properly. Our kids can get hurt. The difference maker is God. And he tells us that whenever I find you and I ask and you let me in, I'm going to go with you wherever you go. I'm not going to ever leave you. I'm not going to ever forsake you. I care for you. There is nothing that can separate you from my love. He tells me all the time, I have plans for you. I have plans for Hudson. They are good plans. They are plans of, for a great future and a great hope. And you're going to prosper from those. I grew up in the church of the Nazarene, and I sat in many a service just like this. And I sat back there, and I would listen to somebody saying these things. And I remember grabbing hold of sometimes white knuckling that chair in front of me because I knew I was lost. Are you lost this morning? Have you been on your own thinking that uh, the grass is a little bit greener over there? Have you uh, got a loved one that may be in that condition? Have you bought into the lie that the world offers something better than a life inside the kingdom of God? This morning, Jesus is seeking you. And all you have to do is say, come on in. And you can experience a love that surpasses all understanding. Got a loved one that's outside the kingdom and you're praying for? Don't give up. Don't quit. Over the past seven months, I love what we said this morning. And Devin, if you'll show that next slide. You see, God does use people. That's the day we got back. And he sends people when you need them the most. Go ahead, Devin. And not only your people that you know, people that you've never met before in your life. And God, in times when the valley's dark and you think you're about to lose your way, is holding you in his hand. And I'm here to testify to you this morning that God has been faithful to us. And if you'll let him into your life, he will be faithful to you. In November of 2014, I stood and read a passage of scripture to you and spent the next five weeks 
dealing with this passage of Scripture, talking about the benefits that we have as children of the, of, of the King. I read it, and in the midst of that series, um, third week, going through some personal things with our family, clung to this passage of Scripture. Uh, didn't know right out a year later that I'd be standing in front of Hudson's friends on the day that Swadley's fed everybody at the school and read the same passage. And I want to end this morning by reading this to you because it is the promise of our lives. Psalm 103, verse 1 through 5. Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being. Praise His holy name. We have to control our own soul. Even when we don't want to, we have to praise Him. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all of His benefits. And then David does us a great service, and he tells us the benefits. He forgives all of our sins. It doesn't get any better than that. That would be enough. And that's what Tim's talked to us about this morning. But it goes beyond that. He says, and he heals all our diseases. He cares about our physical bodies. He re- and this is the one that was our third week. But he redeems our life from the pit. When it's the worst it can be. That's when he does his best work. And it says he crowns us with love and compassion. He satisfies the desires with our, our desires with good things so that our youth is renewed like eagles. And that is the hope that we have this morning. That is the hope that Tim has talked to us about. And I know I've already given an invitation for salvation, but if you're here this morning and you haven't come to that place and you're lost, then I offer you the hope. Jesus is the light. He's the only way. We want to make it convenient and add other ways because other ways fit our comfort zone. But the only way, the only way, Jesus said like this, no man can get to the Father but through me. I'm the door. We have to go through him. So that's where we're going to start this morning. If you're here and you don't know Jesus, today's your day. Salvation has come to your house today. It's very simple. We ask, we believe, we confess. So would you do this with me, everyone? Would you just bow your head right now? Father, I thank you that by the provision that you made through your son, because you knew we couldn't find our way home on our own, we're really good at getting lost. So you made a way and you sent your son Father each of us have to come to that place in our own journey where we, res- we surrender and accept help And so Father this morning if there's one in this house that does not know your son Jesus and they're lost even if they know about the way if they've never made the choice for relationship, then Father, this morning I pray right now they would surrender their heart and their life to you. That they would make the choice necessary to establish that walk and that journey in their life. I pray that you'd meet them 
in this moment. And we do it like this, and if everyone would pray with me, knowing that there's nothing magic about the prayer, it's just that when we believe in our heart, an exchange takes place. And so would you pray this with me, Jesus? I surrender my life to you. I make you the Lord. I accept you as Savior. I give you my everything. I'm lost. I think we need to say that again. I'm lost. Without you, there's no hope. Save me. Rescue me. Find me. Set me free. Father, I pray that you'd seal that prayer for anyone that prayed it, that needed to make that decision. But Father, I'm also thankful this morning that that's not the end of the benefits. That would be enough and it would still make you worthy of praise because we have no way of getting home without you. But I'm thankful this morning that there are other benefits. God, I know under the sound of my voice this morning that there are people that have gone through dark valleys that find themselves broken, that feel like their life is in a pit and there's no hope. But this morning, I pray that you would encourage them. And I ask that the story of determination and courage that Tim has shared with us would resonate in our spirit and we would not give up. If you're here this morning and you would say this, I feel like my life is in the pit and my heart is broken and it's been a dark valley could be caused by death, could be caused by a number of things, broken relationships, but that's you. Would you just raise your hand? Yeah, keep them up, keep them up. If you're sitting next to someone who has their hand raised, would you just reach out right now and lay your hand on them as they so desperately need a touch? Father, this morning, we extend our faith to those that find themselves feeling like they're in a pit. Your word declares that one of the benefits that we have is that you can redeem our life from the pit. And so, Father, this morning, even though it may seem like it's a dark moment, a dark night, the scenery may not change. But I pray that you would give us hope. Give us hope today that you can turn what the enemy meant for harm and you can make it good. And I pray that in the valley of the shadow of death, we would fear no evil. And we would fear no evil because we know that you're with us. And so, God, I pray that you would allow your presence to be made known more real in this moment than it's ever been. I ask you to accomplish this in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus name of Jesus. And then this is how we will end today. I think if you are here and you need a healing touch, I want you to stand. If you're here and you need a healing touch because he says he heals our bodies from all of our diseases and you need a healing touch, I want you to stand. Anybody? And then, yeah, just stand right up. And now what I want us to do, Cliff, I need your help. Landon, you guys, I need your help. I want you to lay hands on Hudson. Tim, would you do me a favor? Would you come here? We would mess up. I really believe this. We would mess up if if we didn't pray for this family. We've got the sign out front as a reminder that we're supposed to do it every day anyway. But we get to do it in person. Amen. 
And I've been talking to Tim over the last seven months and just keep telling him it's going to happen. It's going to happen. I am as convinced today as I've ever been it's going to happen. Hudson, it's going to happen. How do I know that? Because I trust his word. And I trust his history. He's got a proven track record. In my own life, in my own family, in your family, he has a proven track record. We can trust him. Let's pray for each one. Now, if you're near someone that's standing, I want you to lay your hands on them because this prayer is not just for Hudson. It is for Hudson. But it's for them too. Father, this morning, we understand that we are healed just like we're saved by grace. It's, it's not by our works. It's not even by our faith because if it was based on our faith, there are some of us that have used our faith all up. It is solely based on the grace that was given to us by the stripes that were born on Jesus' back. And so, Father, this morning as a body, we stand with each individual here that needs a healing touch. Some facing cancer, some facing scary doctor's reports. But, Father, we know that in the name and by the stripes of Jesus, they are healed. We declare that. We claim that. We proclaim that. We trust you in that. You've done it in the past. You'll do it again. We claim healing. And so I pray that that hope would rise and faith would rise and courage would rise and God I pray over the Halls family and God I ask you the one that created our bodies the one that put us together the one that knows why our body works the way it works even when doctors can't figure it out that can go into the depths of a spinal column and can do what doctors cannot do. I ask you, by the grace of Jesus, to allow neurons to fire. And I pray that strength would come. Just like the lame man at the gate, that that Peter and, and, and the other disciple came up and said, Silver and gold, we don't have any. But what we have, in the name of Jesus, we give it to you. And Father, we believe that what you did on that day, you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. We can trust you. We can trust you to cause neurons to fire and and everything to line up. And God, I pray for courage and I pray for encouragement and I pray for strength and I pray that even on dark days when it doesn't seem like anything's happening, that down deep in our knower, I don't even know where that is, in our knower, we would know that you got it all under control and that you're working for our good and that healing is one of the benefits that we get to count on. We can take it to the bank. And we do that today for this family. And we bless them and encourage them. And we stand with them. And we will not quit asking. Father, I see in my spirit, we we are like the lady that approached the judge and kept banging on the door for justice we just keep coming back it's not that we don't trust you we just want you to know we haven't given up we just keep asking we keep praying for her and we make a commitment to you that when the day comes and it will that everything is turned for his good we will give you all glory all honor we will take no credit it will belong to you in Jesus name 
And everybody that will continue to pray that way every day, will you just give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning? Thank you for coming and being a part of the, our Voices series, Mr. Hawes, and we appreciate it so much. If you're visiting with us for the first time, good news. We have cookies for you. And all you got to do is, it's a great tra- exchange. You trade a piece of paper for homemade cookies that my mama makes, so I know they're good. So uh, uh, if you'll take the communication card and uh, hand it to Pastor Woody standing right there at the back, um, he will give you that box of cookies. If this is your second time with us, equally good news, Papa Angelo's Pizza for free. It doesn't get better than that. And uh, so you can see Pastor Woody and give him that, and he'll get give you a pizza card. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.